you sometimes struggle to get up in the morning or wind down for bed at night? I used to find it so difficult. I woke up with no sense of positivity and brightness. I was void of motivation and spirit. This changed completely when I started waking up with a Lumi body clock. These incredible devices mimic the light and colour of a real sunrise and sunset, transforming the experience of waking up and going to sleep completely. Rather than being suddenly woken up with an alarm clock, the Lumi body clock will wake you up gradually with a natural sunrise. The Lumi body clock has been shown to improve the quality of sleep and awakening and to boost mood and productivity in clinical trials. You can personalise your sunrise and sunset from 15 to 90 minutes with their clinically tested unique natural light and more than 20 sleep and wake sounds. We all deserve to sleep well and to wake up feeling fresh. So if you're finding this a challenge and you want to try a new approach, go to lumi.com. Becca, thank you so much for coming on um, the Greatest Music of All Time podcast. Welcome. I wanted to start off by asking you, what is your relationship with music? Does music mean a lot to you? Um, music means a lot to me. Um, I would say that I have never been in a relationship with someone that doesn't like music. It just would not happen. My husband and I uh, are huge music people as far as um, genre. I really just feel like it's a mood thing. Wake up, want to listen to um, Garth Brooks, maybe put Aphex Twin on later, maybe put on Skepta later. It's totally a vibe. And I just feel like all of it is good. All of it has special meaning. It's part of one of the reasons why I moved to Austin is so that I could go out and see music. And it's good that we're doing this podcast. South by was such an influential part of that. Even before I turned 21, I was trying to sneak into shows to see bands and even if it meant that I had to be at the top of a parking lot over across the street from Stubbs just so I could hear um you know Bell and Sebastian playing or something like that so it's a huge part of who I am. When did you move to Austin? Um I moved to Austin in 2005 um so I've been here for 16 years almost 17 which is crazy uh, but I only lived an hour and a half from here so directly in between Houston and Austin is a city called Brenham. I don't know if you're familiar with Bluebell ice cream, but they make ice cream. Literally the days that they make chocolate chip cookie ice cream, the city smells like cookies. It's ridiculous. Um, I didn't know that it wasn't normal not to eat um, a gallon of ice cream until I moved to Austin because <laughs> that's just how it is there. But um, I used to go to concerts and shows in Houston. And somehow when I was 16, I convinced my mom and my dad that it was okay for me and safer for me to go to Emo's here in Austin. So I started going to see shows here when I was 16 and drive home and go to school the next day. But I couldn't move here soon enough. So as soon as I could get to Austin, I did. And I keep telling myself I'm going to leave, but then I keep telling myself all the reasons that I should stay. I'm probably a lifer. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. I've never been to such an amazing place. Yeah, it's um, so special. Austin's become really popular recently though, right? Yes. People moving from all, all around. Um, is, is that making it more difficult for artists to kind of afford the cost of living here? Yes. I think that the cost of living has been steadily going up since I moved here. 
But in the past few years, there's a lot more tech companies that have found that this place is special. There's definitely a revolving door between New York and LA and Austin. And there's a lot of brands that are moving here, clothing brands um, that are coming from LA or New York, or even brands that are starting here. There's um, a ton of film work that's happening here now. A lot, it just, since I first moved here to now, I think when I moved here, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino were making their movies together, Death Proof and Planet Terror, which was so fascinating because they were filming right down the street from where I lived. And then it felt like it was very quiet after that. But now they're, they just filmed Queer Eye here. I have tons of friends that are working on a lot of filming happening. But um, I think with that, the price of living here has gone up exponentially. Even if you go to South Congress, that used to be where you could go see a lot of mom and pop shops. Um, now they're talking about opening an Hermes store. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of Teslas, um, not as many art cars. You know, there's just little elements like that that I miss. But it's, it is just part of being in such a beautiful place. I think everyone kind of figured it out over the past few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are gravitating to, towards Austin and it's, it still seems... Like there are so many wonderful like independent shops. There's so much music. Uh, we were just at the White Horse. Uh, never seen anything like it. Uh, and of course, here we are at Fort Lonesome. So what exactly is Fort Lonesome? Um, Fort Lonesome is a chain stitch company. We started here in Austin um, back in 2012. I've been working with the company since 2017. We do, chain stitch is a specific style of machine embroidery. So it's different than a regular sewing machine. The thread itself loops into itself like a daisy chain stitch is what they call it. Um, And there's actually a rotation plate where you can guide it to spin. And so in a way, it's more of illustrating with thread. And so... We do all sorts of things. We do patches. We do embroider, like what you have on your shirt right now. We do um, embroidery on pillows, wedding veils, denim jackets, and then we make custom Western wear as well, um, or just custom garments. So we we don't just do suits. We'll do dresses, um, whatever the client is in, into. We'll just make it happen for them. I mean, it's the most honestly, it's the most beautiful clothing that I've ever seen i just i couldn't uh, love it anymore from what i've seen so far uh, how did the company start um kathy is the owner of fort lonesome she originally in the early 2000s she had two young children and she and her friend were making children's clothing but specifically western wear inspired um and so she had been doing that for a while started getting commission work from adults wanting to get things made. Uh, she had a friend reach out to her and said, I have a machine in my garage. I'm not using it. And I think that you would find it really helpful for what you're working on. And it happened to be a chain stitch machine. So this was back in the early two thousands. And at that point, there was not a lot of information about chain stitch machines. Now you can just type it in on YouTube or Google, and you can find information on how to 
thread the machine, how to set it up. There was none of that. So she figured out the mechanics of making it work, started doing embroidery on the kids' clothing and the and started doing more Western wear um, and specifically Western wear shirts. And then it just kind of blossomed from there. She got to a place where it was too much for one person. So she started hiring one person, then another, and then another. And then we did a few Western suits. And then we started getting a lot of orders and people wanting it. And so then I got hired and now we have, I have a, a tailoring assistant and we have interns and it's just grown and grown and grown, but it's still very small operation, very humble. There's probably 10 of us total that are making all this. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a very down to earth uh, brand and company and ethos considering um, some of the amazing people that you've worked with and, and you know, made custom clothing for how, how many people um, work at Fort Lonesome all in all? Um, let's see. I want to say with our interns, there are 10 of us currently. So um, there are five, six embroiders, two interns, one production manager, and then two in the tailoring department. So I guess 11, but we occasionally have what we call our stoners where we just hire people to come in and help us rhinestone <laughs> things, especially when we're on a deadline. Um, so it just goes back and forth depending on the amount of projects that we have. And I mean, it seems like you're incredibly busy, like, you know, in any given week, like roughly how many kind of custom orders would you say that you're working? On? Oh man, we have split the company I guess we have it broken down to where different chain stitchers have different um, areas that they are working on. So Kathy and Christina, um, my coworker, she embroidered the suit behind you. She, they both do a primary, a, a lot of the design, um, a lot of the suit design, a lot of patch design, a lot of, we do sell small batch production patches and even garments that we embroider on on our website and so they do a lot of that um we are for people that want custom denim jackets where we do we just blow out the entire back of the jacket with embroidery those are usually handled by um one of our other chain stitchers Amrit and she also is our um I don't know if you watch our Instagram videos but Amrit is hilarious. And she does a lot of the videos for our Instagram. Um, and then we have Michelle and Brian that do patchwork. We just hired, um, Lindsay to start helping. So we are always cranking stuff out in here. Um, there's always something going on. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everything is so unique and different. Uh, and that's one of the things that I love so much about Fort Lonesome, but also this style of, of Western where, um, if you come from the UK like I do, it's not something that you've kind of grown up on. So it's just incredible. It's like clothing from another planet. But Western wear has like a long history. When did people start dressing like this? And what, what is Western wear? I mean, the evolution of the cowboy, I feel like it's always been, the style has always been a little bombastic, but I think touring bands and the, 20s or the 30s and 40s is really what made Western wear very popular. Um, 
And that's a lot of the things that we were looking at in that book earlier. Uh, but they are, um, I feel like they were just playing around with ideas with Western piping, with yokes, with arrows, just trying to figure out how to make all of it work. Um, and then we have icons like Nathan Turk. He did a lot of leather applique and fringe. Um, and then you have Nudie Khan, who I think that he made, even though there are many Western wear designers that he was the one that really brought it into the spotlight. Cause he was working with not just country musicians, but Elton John and, um, John Travolta and things like that. So it's been interesting to watch. And now that we are part of a resurgence of Western wear that you have, um, musicians, rappers, and, um, you know, Diplo, all these people that are wearing Western wear now, um, getting to make pieces for movies has also been really fun, but, um, you we're kind of in a, a new era where we can modernize it a little bit and put our own spin on it and make it, um, not just for traditional country or Nashville, but for everyone. And yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, it was, I think Lil Nas X and Diplo and Post Malone um, in this article that I read in GQ, who, yeah. who were wearing all these custom Western wear garments. And it's it's crazy to see that resurgence because you were saying kind of in the early 2000s, ha had it fallen into a place where Western wear was no longer really that popular anymore? I don't think that it, I feel like it's always been alive and well in Nashville. Um, but from my experience, what I was seeing here in Texas, it didn't feel, it felt like it really got just very basic. Um, but now I think people are into the flash and the pop. And I, especially now I feel like everyone is kind of coming out of hibernation from the past two years and we really want to be able to express ourselves again. Mm. And so I think that even in the past few months, we have seen a huge influx in people reaching out and wanting to get pieces made because they're actually leaving the house and they don't want to wear sweatpants anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and in terms of, you know, like the resurgence of Western wear and how it's, I mean, you've seen this explosion at Fort Lonesome of, of people wanting custom garments, presumably from all over the world, um, you know, are there many other companies like Fort Lonesome? Because it's, it's literally just totally unique as far as I can make out. Even I've, I've seen a couple, but nothing quite like what you guys are doing. Yeah, I, there are other Western wear, current Western wear designers and makers. And I feel like we are all doing, we're all making these things at the same time. But I think we all have different spins on that we have... Um, we definitely try to do a lot of gradient and make things more, um, pastel. I feel like we kind of live in psychedelic colors and we want to put rhinestones on everything. If we can convince people fringe is always a bonus too, but, um, there's some Western wear designers that like to stay in more neutral, um, old school color palettes, or there are a few of our, paid friends that are designing in LA and they are doing more applique and, um, that kind of embroidery. So there's different spins on it. And I think that we all have 
something unique to bring to the table. So the more you dive into the new Western wear culture, you can start identifying whose piece is who because we all have a different story to tell. Yeah, that that seems to be the case. And that's what makes these brands so cool because they're not just the same homogenized corporate stuff that, that we've become used to over the the past decades. How much training does it take um, to you know, to work here at a company like this, did you, did you learn on the job? Um, or, or did you already have like the skill set that you've got now before joining Fort Lonesome? Yeah. So the joke here is that I do not chain stitch. Um, I'm just the tailor, but I get to watch all the magic happen. Um, I, before I came here, I was a vintage seller. Um, and I also did women's production, like garment production here in Austin and had a, I worked on a brand with my friend and then I worked for a company here where I actually made all of their ready to wear garments. And I was kind of in a place where I wasn't feeling fulfilled and I am so thankful, but we had a, we, I have a friend who was the bookkeeper here And she just put two and two together and recommended me to Kathy and we hit it off immediately. She actually brought someone at that point. I had not made a suit jacket before I had only done women's pieces, specifically more, um, silk charmeuse and chiffon pieces. So it was completely different for me to go from making garments that were flowy and fluid to something that was much more structural, but, Uh, she hired someone from Nashville to come in and give me a crash course. And it took a week. We worked through a suit jacket together. Um, And then after that, I was just kind of thrown in the water and expected to swim, which was good. And at this point, there is a suit over there in the corner. And it was the first suit that we made here or that I made here. And that in comparison to what we're making now is just so different. Um, Putting suits together is so structurally gratifying. I love all of the hand stitching. I love doing all the details. I am so happy that I fell into this because it was something that I didn't even know that I would love as much as I do. And each suit is a journey from working with the client, taking their ideas, taking the fabric color that they want, um, even down to what color rhinestones that they want, and watching that go from an idea to an illustration, to actual tangible pieces, and then to the garment itself, and then having it on the body and being worn and loved. We joke all the time that we send these suit babies out into the world because we spend so much time making them and building them and even down to discussing the color palette of the detail, embroidery details as we're working on it. Like maybe this outline isn't working. What could we do to make it brighter? Uh, we do that with each suit. So in a way, when something is completed, it's harder to send it out into the world because we're ready. We've, we've become so attached to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes complete sense. Uh, How long does it take to design, you know, the process that you're talking about? I mean, I guess every suit, every garment is different, but, but you, are you working on garments for months? Yes. So I think right now we are doing, because we are a small crew, we're doing about two to three suits a month. Um, Design itself can take, depending on 
what the information is that we get from the client. Design itself can take anywhere from eight hours to 40 hours, depending. I mean, because it is basically graphic design work. And then taking measurements, making patterns, that takes, you know, depending on what kind of pattern it is, can take quite a, 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 a amount of time. And then embroidery can take anywhere from 20 to 60 hours, sometimes 80 hours, depending on the amount of detail and how much embroidery we're putting on a garment. And that doesn't even include the rhinestoning. So rhinestoning can take anywhere from two days to a week, depending on how many rhinestones we have. Uh, we have put suits together and I guarantee you we have put over 3000 rhinestones on one suit. That is a lot of that work. That sounds excellent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the rhinestones are so small, so it's very hard to see when you're doing it that that's as many as you're using. But over time and just kind of guesstimating how much we go through them and how often. So usually for a suit, we'll go 1,500 to 3,000 rhinestones per suit usually. And then there's the garment construction. And that usually is 40 hours for a jacket, you know, 12 to 20 for a pair of pants, depending on how many Western details we're adding. So it's a lot of work. It's a process. Um, but we're in our fifth year of it at this point um, that I've been working here. And I think that we have it more dialed in every time that we make another piece. Yeah, it, it seems like it's just grown so organically. It's it's unbelievably inspiring. But is, is there a future for Fort Lonesome that you envisage it becoming huge or do you think it will stay quite a small, like kind of homegrown vibe forever? Yeah. I, I think that we all in our own way are underdogs and we like the idea of having it small. I think that's what makes it special. Uh, we get to take the time to put these things together. Uh, Kathy and myself both come from a background of doing garment production where it's all about making things that are generically sized for everyone, you know, scaling, sizing, that just can get very expensive. And so this is more of our preferred route is to be making a piece that has a story to tell that's fitted to an individual. We do want to get more into making garments that we can sell on our website, but I still think that we'll keep it in small quantity. And I mean, I don't think that we want to grow too much more because the beauty of the business is how small and um, humble and just we're making so much magic in this place. We yeah. wouldn't want to go. And I've seen so many brands go big and just everything that they worked for just got taken out from under them. And so we're just taking it in stride. I think that we had big ambition. And then when COVID happened, everything was canceled. Everything that we had on the books, every, every music video that we were making a suit for, or every wedding that we were making a suit for every event, everything just got put on pause. And so now that everything is kind of coming back to normal, we are getting more work, but it was scary for a moment there. We kept thinking, who who is gonna what are, what event is anybody going to want one of these pieces for? We were luckily and thankfully able to stay busy during that time. Um, a lot of people that had weddings canceled and then they eloped, and so we ended up getting to make the suits anyways. But it's nice um, 
I think we learned a lot over the past couple of years of the beauty of being a small business. Yeah, because you can react to things easier. It's yeah. more nimble. Um, and in Austin, you know, aside from clothing brands, you know, you mentioned the neon sign. It feels like there are so many independent shops and so much kind of grassroots culture. Was that the case when you moved here? Has, has that kind of continued to evolve since you moved here? Yes. Um, I would say when I moved here, Austin is a weird place and that's the beauty of it. I love living in this weird town. And I do see that as more and more people are moving here, that the artist is getting pushed further out. But we're just relocating to little cities outside of Austin. I don't know if you have been to Lockhart, but there's a lot of cute things happening out there. There's a lot of people that are buying in San Marcos, um, also in Taylor. And so I think we're just learning how to adapt and to spread out of Austin uh, if need be. But that's there's still a lot of great things happening here, even though we do have a lot more corporations moving in. But when I first moved to Austin, I paid $500 a month and I lived on South Congress and it was all bills paid. And I had no idea how good I had it, but <laughs> mm, my God. it's so different now. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like Austin is going to become the new L.A., yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't say that too loud. <laughs> Don't move here. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I come from Port. My mum comes from Portugal, and like Lisbon is going through the same thing in Europe right now. A bit like Berlin before it. Um, people just want to live in very cool places, and yeah, you, uh, you can't blame them. So now that people are ordering um, suits and garments to go back out again in person, and live music is restarting what are you looking forward to uh this year in terms of you know like attending gigs and going to events in in austin oh well um it's just so nice to go to shows i went to a show last night that i maybe i would have been a little too jaded to enjoy a few years back, but i went to see an eagles cover band called fake it to the limit <laughs> Pretty much, pretty sure I was the youngest person in that room, um, but the people watching was great, and I didn't know how much of an Eagles fan I actually am. <laughs> I knew every song. Um, I'll definitely go back and see them play again. That so that was a little fun thing to do. But um, I'm actually again, I listen to all kinds of music. I'm going to see Tyler the Creator oh, in wow. um, Houston in at the end of March with my coworker, Lauren, she's my Taylor stitch bitch assistant. Um, we've been working together off and on for eight years. So as soon as the business got busy enough or the tailoring department at the fort got busy enough to bring someone in, I called her in and have been showing her everything that I've learned. So she's, um, she actually made this entire suit by herself, which is pretty amazing. But, um, we're going to go and see Tyler, the creator together. And then Orville Peck is playing in May. So just like buying tickets and getting excited about things. Ministry is playing. I know I told you I listen to all sorts of music. So going to see Ministry soon, which will be really fun also. <laughs> yeah, you've got great eclectic taste. I mean, it seems like so many people that I speak to do listen to everything. And I mean, Tyler, the creator is just 
He's, uh, he's, he's not even, because people might say, oh, he's a hip hop artist, but he's not because he blends so many different genres together. Do you think, I mean, I've come around to the opinion that there's more good music being released today than ever before because it's become like democratized um, the ability to create music. Uh, but then it's very difficult to find the best stuff. What do you, how do you listen to music? Is it streaming? And where do you go to find your music? Yeah, um, I do. Well, I, I do think that music being made right now is in a way because it's more accessible, like every kind of music is more accessible, that we're entering into an era where music is not just R&B or country. It's kind of genreless because people are being influenced by all sorts of things. Um, I remember in growing up in East Texas, you know, there was one to, for lack of a better term, alternative station and the rest of it was country music and Christian radio. And, um, every once in a while there was like a house channel that I could tune into, but music was so much harder to find and, and tune into at that point. And now it's accessible. Um, I use streaming like Spotify and Pandora, but I also go buy records. My husband is um, an audiophile. He has been DJing since he was 13. And so when we met each other and we started dating, I feel like our music, love for music just combined and we cook dinner every night and have something else playing. Every night is a little different, but I, I feel like music is just... I don't know how I would be able to survive without it, I guess. It, it just is such a mood setter. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And it, it's almost indescribable um, how much it means um, to so many people. Uh, my final question for you is, if there were, you know, off the top of your head, because it's pretty difficult to, uh, to answer this, and it's not favorite songs or favorite records, but if you were looking back, uh, at your life now and, and just thinking, you know, songs that really mean something to you that you can attach to a certain memory or songs that have sentimental value. Are there some that come to mind, you know, just tunes that really, really mean a lot to you? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a huge Roxy Music fan. And so I would say that entire first album is just I can put that on and that is that will be a mood setter for the entire week even talking about it now I'll probably put it on after you guys leave <laughs> but um I am I, w I would be hard for me to pick a specific song but I love th every Roxy Music album but specifically the first one and then For Your Pleasure that album is amazing too I'm a huge Eno and Fairy fan they are well, that's some of the goats. Both of the Bryans. Yeah. They're both great. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, Becca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Really for awesome me. to talk to you.